Hi, and good morning, everyone. Welcome. Ohayou gozaimasu. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima. And today I am joined by the amazing Kina Jackson in Osaka. Thanks so much for joining, Kina. Oh, thank you, Joey, for having me on. Ohayou gozaimasu. Ohayou gozaimasu. And you have been in Osaka for 20 years. Is yes. that right? 20, 20, yes. Wow. And how did you end up in Osaka? Was it something like you visited Osaka and then you wanted to go back or there was a great job there? How did you end up choosing Osaka and staying forever? What's the appeal? Ah, okay. Well, the appeal. Well, originally I came as a student in university. I studied abroad at Kansai Gairai, which is between Osaka and Kyoto. And so when I came back to work in Japan, I wanted to be in the Kansai area. So I came with Nova, so it was for a job. And uh, I wanted to be in either Osaka or Kope. I didn't have a, a preference then, <laughs> but it ended up here. And I blinked and then it's been 20 years. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Now, Kina, you do so many interesting things. Uh, you were actually up for an entrepreneurship award. Congratulations. That's <laughs> awesome. You. Yeah, yeah. It was surprising, but it was a it was a nice, a nice honor to be nominated, definitely. And you do interpreting and translation as well as consulting and lots of other entrepreneurial projects uh, mm -hmm. that we'll be talking about today. Yeah. Uh, how did you get your Japanese up to that high level to be able to do interpreting and translation? Uh, okay. Well, I studied Japanese in university at home and then uh, living here with a family helped to buttress that sum. And coming back um, the second time, I went to Japanese school. And while I was teaching English, I always continued to study on the side and just started with small translation projects that I got from friends. Actually, some of the first work that I did was helping friends in a rock band here translate their lyrics into English. Um, so I just started with small projects like that with people that I knew, and then it kind of just broke from there. Wow, that's awesome. And then recently, uh, you were doing a seminar for BCCJ on uh, dealing with stress in the workplace. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So um, the talk just centered around when you when you feel hurt, that's something that we normally associate with our personal and private relationships with friends and family. Um, but sometimes, you know, you can uh, experience some some negative feelings in the workplace and it's hard to get over those. So we just had a nice uh, discussion about things that you can do to help yourself and support yourself and uh, deal with those barriers. I think we all we all need to to think about how to deal with uh, things as our workplace environment has really changed because of COVID, right? We're doing a lot more work online, uh, which seems like a great thing for flexibility in workspace. But a lot of people say, actually, I feel like I never have a break from work now because my work is always at home with me, right? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Sometimes, you know, I'll have a call with someone who's not in Japan. So that requires getting up super early or staying up super late and when you're not in the office too and you are remotely you don't have the same support system of coworkers, so you really have to look for it yourself kind of make yourself do it i schedule it in my phone <laughs> yeah yeah no that's important yeah having having certain breaks like I'm going to work at the computer for an hour and then i'm going to take a 20 minute break i'm going to go on a power walk outside or something like that right yeah exactly yeah awesome uh, it looks like Z has joined from uh, YouTube. Nice to see you. Aloha. Coming from Hawaii. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'm originally from Hawaii. Uh, you're oh, from yeah. Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I'm from the Philadelphia area. Yeah. But I do have some uh, good friends and family that are in Hawaii. But I've only been one time. So I'm, it's on my list to get back to, Joy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I, every time I go back, I, I really appreciate it. But there's so many things that I really miss about Japan. So I'm, I'm happy to go both ways, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Do you feel like that as well? With totally, Philly? totally. When I'm here, I, I really miss like Philly in the summertime. There's a lot of fun cultural 
festivals and the 4th of July um, parades and um, just, you know, home cooked food. But, uh, but then when I'm there, I miss 12 things about Kansai. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, I've actually, I've in the series so far, I've had a chance to talk to some other entrepreneurs and innovators in the Osaka area. Uh, just give a quick shout out. Uh, we had Taylor E talking oh, yeah. about vintage shopping and Osaka tours and sustainable fashion. Right. And uh, we've had Yana, so Ayana mm -hmm. Wise, talking about the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and talking about diversity through creativity. And uh, Dave in Osaka, who's a really amazing live streamer, always gets so many people interested in Osaka because he's sharing it to the world on his live stream walks. And uh, Rosie Galvan talking about her amazing vegan baked goods. And I had the chance to sample it when I visited Osaka after oh, that great. talk. That was so good. I, I don't know if she's still there, but um, yeah, I she's still there. she has up. her own shop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, awesome. Yeah, and then uh, talking about Tesla, so using uh, electric car with uh, Scott. We've had a few talks about uh, using electric cars in Japan. And now you, yay! Yeah, Tina. it's interesting. Um, I know Yana and Taylor very well. We did the uh, Black Lives Matter um, march together in Black Creatives Japan and also Black Women in Japan. And um, Rosie, I also know through similar community and some of our vegan Osaka products um, we send to her every once in a while when she has a special promotion, mainly the bacon. She does like a very nice maple bacon donut. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we collaborate with her too. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk small. about vegan, <laughs> vegan Osaka because uh, now you've got all of our taste buds going. Um, so you guys have had uh, some great reviews. You said it was in L recently. Yeah. So um, last year we we had a small feature in L Gourmet Japan. Um, they did a, a spread on um, plant based products, and our, our pepperoni, which is very popular, um, was featured. Uh, at that time, we were shipping to Homecoming. Vegan Pizza, which was a vegan pizza shop in Tokyo, which actually um, no longer has a brick and mortar. <laughs> they're they're only online now. Um, but yeah, so we have at least 20 different types of cheeses. That's the pizza, yeah, that we're running through Homecoming. So in that picture, you can see our pepperoni and the meatballs there that we make. Um, and we have about maybe 15 kinds of meats, uh, mock meats. And there's also savory snacks and sweets also. Yeah, this is the uh, karage. Yeah, the, the yeah. vegan uh, vegan chicken. Is that yes. a soy a soy base? No, that one is uh, gluten. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you can awesome. also get that if people are in Tokyo. Um, we supply to Soul Food House in Osaka Japan. So there's, they have like a chicken and waffles and the wrap. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. And then the chicken and waffles here, the veggie chick and yeah. waffles, that looks awesome. So is the yeah. waffle also vegan without egg? Yeah, I think so. We don't supply that. We only supply the chicken part for them. But yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I've never I've never had it because I am trying to be vegan uh, <laughs> most of the time for the last 25 years, maybe 30 years. It's hard to keep track. Uh, we have a vegan vegetarian family. So I've never had chicken and waffles, but you know that that's mm. definitely on the list to try. Um, yes. But you, you yourself, you're not actually vegan or vegetarian. How did you get drawn into this project? No, it's it's very interesting because actually everyone on this project is an omnivore, to be honest. <laughs> and um, so there's a Canadian cafe and bar called Slices, based in Osaka, and it's been a staple in the community here for about 17 years now. Um, and the, it's a female Canadian owner. Her name is Sang Manichan. And she's the brains and the creativity behind everything. So basically, it started out of, you know, 
when you're an establishment that gets a mix of Japanese and foreign customers, you get a lot of requests to, to tweak things for people's dietary needs. And so there are a lot of things off menu that she had to make anyway. And during the pandemic, with not a lot of people coming in, she decided to just branch it out into its own company and focus on helping people prepare, um, having options to prepare things at home. So. For B2C and B2B, you can um, you can order things to sell. Yeah. So we're actually in the purpose of doing some rebranding. So in a, I guess in about a month, <laughs> there'll be a new site and a new logo and things like that. But yeah, you can go there and you can get a, order a mix of some of the products. Um, and you can also just send us a message directly uh, either to my LinkedIn or on the Instagram because sometimes there's a lot of things that we actually do have in stock that are not on here. Yeah, but that BLT um, is popular if you come in in the shop, but we also sell the bacon package like that um, or bacon bits. There's so many things actually, Joy, that are not on there. <laughs> there's so oh. many products. Amazing. I did have a look at it and the shipping uh, seemed quite expensive. I was about to order and it was 2000 yen for shipping. So I was thinking, mm, maybe I'll pick it up when I'm in Osaka or. Yeah, but, you can uh, pick it up. And then also um, you can just message us um, directly for orders. There's a lot of things that we have to. One of the things because of the, the cheeses are a mixture of soy and coconut. If it gets shipped frozen, it messes with the integrity of the textures of things okay, um, yeah. but the meats ship frozen and the cheeses ship chilled so if you have a mixture of them in your basket it makes it a little bit difficult but if you message us directly we can work out um how to uh package it better for you and ship it in one container that's awesome because i really want to try it it looks like great products um, but one of the things that that people often say as a vegan vegetarian it's you're not really the market for the alternative meats, right? The idea for sustainability is the meat industry, the mass meat industry is so damaging to people and planet, not just the environment. It's really bad for the people in the industry as well, mm. um, as, as well as the people who eat too much meat and all the <laughs> cholesterol right. and it's not healthy, right? Right. Um, so if we can change some of the textures and flavors of meat that people love and crave, right? And mm -hmm. then you switch it out with something which is plant-based, which is so much more sustainable because we don't have all the heavy carbon processes of, of the meat industry and mm -hmm. all the shipping of meat to Japan. It's actually made in Japan as well. Um, right. So many wins on this right, list. Exactly. Right? So a lot of the products that you see are imported from overseas, but all of ours are, are made here um in osaka which is nice and in terms of the people that we get orders from online there are some families living on base that order or people that don't live inside of a major city um so we get people from all over the country basically um that that order through us online directly uh, as far as people that come into the shop to eat we do get people that are transitioning into different types of eating lifestyles. So maybe they've given up dairy, but not meat quite yet. So they want to come in and try some pizza um, because we, you know, we have all the different cheeses and mozzarellas or, um, or families that have multiple eating styles. So one parent might be vegetarian or vegan, but the, the other parent or children are not, but we think it's important. They can all, you know, share a meal together still. Um, some people don't eat pork, um, but they're not vegan, but they still want to, you know, have a pepperoni pizza with their friends or something. So we get people that are along different, you know, stages in the spectrum of changing what they're eating. And we just want to make opportunities and space for everyone to be able to try and have options because options are really hard in Japan. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that idea that, if you have a vegan option, you open up 
who can order that to everyone, right? Yeah, exactly. Like when we do uh, a lot of tourism business consulting, we say if you don't have a vegan option, you're really going to limit who can eat there. Because even if you only have one vegan vegetarian in the group, they're not going to choose somewhere where that one person can't eat anything, mm -hmm. right? They're going to choose another place where at least there's something decent that that person can eat. So even if you're a meat restaurant, I, as a high school and university student, my part-time job was at a steakhouse <laughs> and I was vegetarian, but there were always great options for vegetarians. And if yeah. you have that option at even a meat place, uh, you're going to get a lot more groups that have mixed dietary or mixed lifestyle choices in there, right? And who want to come yeah. and eat together. Definitely, definitely. Because uh, in the shop, we get a lot of tourists that they've been around Osaka and even Kyoto all day, but they haven't had anything to eat. So they stop into our shop on the way back. Um, or sometimes it's over 50% uh, vegans in the restaurant because there's not many places where they can go with their friends that are not vegan and everyone eat together. So um, yeah, so we don't profess to be a a vegan restaurant in the shop, but we have options for for everyone. Definitely. That's awesome. That's we that's a some game changer. Things too, but um, those have not rolled out on the vegan side yet. But we do have we do have those things too. Some people, you know, they want a a, a dairy free and a wheat free pizza crust. Um, we have a vegan okonomiyaki right now that's frozen that we can ship to people. So we do make some Japanese things too that people can prepare. That's awesome. What yeah. a great resource. I'm I'm thinking, when is the next train to Osaka? I want to come right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come, come. And we're talking with a couple of um, hotels in larger places. So maybe we'll be able to, you know, roll out a little bit closer to people in the near future. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a few places in Hiroshima. There's always uh, a few places uh, everywhere that we go. But when you know that there's gonna be something on the menu available all the time that you don't have to order three days in advance or a week in advance, and they could just show up and have something that tastes great. That's that's a game changer in Japan. We still have so few options like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I totally understand. I, I don't eat wheat actually, so I, my options are also limited. So yeah. from that kind of standpoint of someone that you know, has trouble finding things when they're out. I think that's what is attractive to me about working with this project is just helping people be able to enjoy and feed themselves, whether they're at home or, or out and about. How have you found uh, the, the feedback? Are you getting a lot of interest in the project? Yes. Um, if someone though has gone without eating meat for most of their lives, it's, it's a little bit too realistic for them. Some of the products, um, they love the cheeses though, but some of the meats are a little bit too close to home. But for people that are um, transitioning, uh, for the, the meat, everyone loves the cheese. Um, but for the meats, um, for people that are transitioning and they, like you said, they miss the texture, they miss, they miss the flavor, or they're tired of going somewhere and having like just salad um, it's a it's a great option for them. And because veganism is is becoming trendy in Japan, we've gotten even groups of, of college students, no one's vegan. They just want to try it. They just want to taste it or they're they're curious. And you know, for us that's totally fine. It's all about trying new things and um, seeing what works for you because you know everyone's eating style is different and having it um, piece in there and how it works for you for us is is what's most important yeah and i'm also i'm really excited to see the price point uh the price point of you guys's products is very similar to what you would pay for the meat version um i'm seeing like vegan gyoza in specialty stores now which is the same price as the pork version you know when you've got price parity when you've got comparable prices i think you'll get a lot more people saying well yeah i'll try it Mm -hmm. But until now, the prices of vegan options are like two times, three times higher. That's a big risk. Plus, I don't, why why should I pay that much more for something that's a bit off or different, right? Right, right. Yeah, the, um, that's that's also very important. Some of that could, 
It could be the, the cost of shipping. I know for us, it is the cost of labor for us because it really is just one person making everything by hand with the support of three or four people that we uh, that we come in and help and it's very time and labor intensive to make the for example like the fried chicken or the pepperoni it takes it's a three-day process for each batch um, so it does take a lot of time um, but I think because it is take a lot because it does take a lot of time we're able to really wash it through all of the steps and adjust and tweak and have consistent taste and quality. So that's the good part, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Davina Robinson join from LinkedIn and she said, happy birthday, Kina. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> How wonderful. Yeah, uh, we're that's both- in the Philadelphia area. Oh yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we're, we're both uh, having birthdays this week, actually. Both yeah, of that's yeah. right. Early, yeah. early March women. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of women, can you introduce uh, Black Women Japan group a little bit? Sure, sure, sure. So uh, we've been around for a few years now. I forget exactly when it started, maybe 2014. Um, but in our community in Japan, there are 3,000, over 3,600 members in Black Women in Japan. Uh, and it's an online uh, community, but we do support people offline with events as well. We do personal and professional development. Um, we help our members if they're having um, trouble with things, uh, adjusting to life in Japan, uh, doing outreach and community service with other local Japanese groups as well. Um, we have some projects that we're working on coming up this year. So. Uh, you mentioned um, Ayana with Black Creatives. We work together with them. Um, there's also Africa Meets Kansai, which is based in Kobe. We do some projects together with them. Um, but the exciting thing, which we haven't been able to do during the pandemic, is we have an annual convention uh, for a, about a weekend. And we're able to get together and meet in person. And people come from Okinawa to Hokkaido, everybody can come and gather and just be able to meet each other and talk about, you know, what it's like to raise your family in Japan or be a student or work or whatever, um, because the age range is college students to people in their 60s and 70s. It's a big range, um, but it's fun to just get together. And we want to make sure that um, women are supported. And in our community, too, the women come from everywhere so everyone's of um, black descent but they could be from brazil or the uk or asia you know everyone's from everywhere so actually language barrier is another thing that we have to deal with in our in our group too um but it's a, it's a really fun group and we really enjoy putting together programs that really help our members and connect with them and we were fortunate enough to be nominated at the same uh, bccj award last year too Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, I I had the chance, I, I saw on the Black Women in Japan page oh, that fine. you had the amazing Karen Hill Anton as one of your speakers. And yeah. she was one of my first interviews on the show. And she inspired so many of us international women living in Japan, yes. raising kids uh, through her articles for years through the Japan Times. And then her book is so wonderful. I loved traveling with her yeah she was going across europe and asia amazing she's amazing <laughs> we uh yeah we invited her to be our keynote speaker um at the second convention we had in nagoya in 2018 and uh, we were so thrilled that she agreed to come because she didn't know that we exist or who our group was but we really wanted to hear from someone that has um you know a well-respected career and long-term living in japan and it was very inspirational for you know women who just moved here you know tips to how to deal and just continue living so we were so happy that she could join us yeah and i think talking about diversity and inclusion is something that you do as a consultant as well right 
Yes, yes. So um, we do workshops. So I, I partner with some other independent consultants uh, and we put on workshops for companies or school groups around the topic of diversity. Uh, and we can run them in English or Japanese or like a bilingual hybrid, um, you know, depending on what everybody needs, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, the past few years, they've mostly been online, especially um, after the Black Lives Matter uh, protests overseas and some of the activity that happened in Japan. Mostly things happened on Zoom, but now we're back to doing things in person. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. And you also have a really interesting project uh, for women empowerment. Yes, yeah. So I ran one uh, container last year. So it can be individual or group. Last year we did a group and it's about 12 weeks. I wanted to make a space for women where we could talk about kind of what we want to do with our lives and what are some of the challenges at work and being able for for Japanese women to talk about these things and to get some English skills also um, brush up English skills along the way because there's not many opportunities I think where women can just talk with each other openly and kind of share goals and work together and support each other to try to reach them. So uh, yeah, it was fun. So we're opening up a, another group uh, this year also. So if people are interested or know someone interested, yeah, they can just reach out. That's awesome. And that's called Migaku and Me? Yes. Migaku is kind of like uh, to brush up on yourself. It means polish in Japanese. So um, the concept is like working on yourself, skilling up and leveling up. That's awesome. Uh, you also shared with me a really interesting project you did about SDGs and Liberia. Can you tell us about that? Sure. This is an ongoing project. So it's a trilateral development between the United States and Liberia and Japan. So Liberia is not as developed as the other uh, countries that surround it in that region of Africa. And um, due to the relationship with the U.S. and Liberia, there are some uh, nonprofit groups in the U.S. that really want to see Liberia succeed. I'm not sure if people viewing know, but um, after slavery ended, the U.S. sent a lot of slaves um, to Liberia. Um, so there's a connection with the, the U.S. and Liberia, but they didn't always have the support of all the treaties um, for development. So people now are trying to kind of be more proactive about the support there. And uh, we were also contacted here in Japan to help. And what they would like to do is create a sustainable town in the Grand Cape Mount uh, area of Liberia. So right now we're working with and looking for more Japanese companies that could help uh, whether they're energy partners, um, water sanitation. Um, there's one project that we're running, which is a mobile power station. So, and that's together with MPO AfriClean, that's um, based in Kobe. And it's a, a truck that's, that's kitted out with solar panels and different generators, and we send them. Uh, we'll be sending them to Liberia. In the past, they've been sent to the Congo um, but it's really interesting because, you know, power is kind of unstable in the region. So if we have these mobile trucks, they can go around and help people where they are. And also making it uh, the equitable entrepreneurial piece, we can do microfinancing and some leasing agreements so that people can um, have their own small businesses that are mobile. So right now, this year, we're putting together um, a fleet of trucks that can go overs and uh, in the next, during March and April, we'll have some info sessions in Kansai and uh, in Kanto and maybe online for people that are interested in contributing. So I can send you that information later. Yeah, that would be great to add a link to more information. Sounds like a wonderful project. And I've been That's reading great. so many exciting projects uh, coming out of Africa, which, you know, even if you, put solar panels on the, the school roof 
And then people can take home like a portable lantern so the kids can study at night, like places that have never had electricity um, before. So there's so much need and so much enthusiasm for making these. They seem like small steps, but they could really change people's lives in an amazing way, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There, there's a lot of success from the program um, after it ran uh, in the Congo uh, a few years ago. This was before COVID. So um, we're just hoping to recreate the same thing um, with the Liberia project. But we already have had inquiries from Nigeria and Botswana from other countries that would like for us to, to partner there and do it as well. Um, so yeah, the interest is there. Um, and also it's nice to kind of help Japanese companies be involved in sustainable activities um, with Africa. And we're really viewing it, I think up until now, a lot of aid to the African continent has been a little bit top down or people saving, but we are really approaching it in a different way of information exchange and working together because there's also a lot of knowledge base in African countries that Japan can benefit from. So we really are trying to attack it from a, from a different angle where it's a, a win for, for everyone. I love that idea of working together side by side instead right. of being top down, coming from other countries saying, this is what you need, which sounds very colonial. We know that doesn't work. Uh, when you bring ideas from the outside, you need to work with local people, indigenous cultures and find out what knowledge they have which is often better than what the outsiders are trying to propose. And they know the local area, they know the people, they know what's gonna work best too, right? Right, exactly. So there's a lot more of those events that are coming to Japan too, um, with our MPO AfriClean, which works with Africa Meets Kansai. And there's also, um, I'm not sure if you know, ADNJ, it's Africa Diaspora Network Japan, that's also kind of runs out of Kansai. Um, there was the African Business Summit in Os Osaka last year. And uh, I think this month there's another similar event that they're running, but we'll be there. <laughs> and um, we're just trying to help facilitate uh, the connections between entities in African countries and people here in Japan that want to work together and support each other on different things. That's awesome. And there's some solutions that uh, you're promoting in Liberia or Africa or other places, which we should apply also in Japan, right? <laughs> Bring it back here. We need it in some rural areas too, right? Even mm -hmm. like putting solar panels on, sending yeah. kids home with lanterns. I love that idea. <laughs> um, we've got Louise Puppy on YouTube. Great to see you, Louise. Thanks for joining. She says, sounds very interesting. Absolutely. Thank you. Hi, Louise. Yeah, Louise is based in uh, New Zealand, but she often brings groups from New Zealand uh, on tours in Japan, and she does awesome live streams as well. So we're happy to have you here, Louise. Um, now, one other thing that you were doing kind of connected to uh, consulting, you were doing cross-cultural business workshops as well. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Right, sure. So that idea was, was born out of... Um, I was speaking with other colleagues that have worked together in uh, mixed teams in the, the workplace. And a lot of times what, how it feels that it happens if you're the foreign person in the team is that uh, Japanese companies will invite people from overseas to, to come work. And um, sometimes that's the end of the effort, like extending the invitation and then that's it. You're here, okay, Gambate. great. Um, but then, there are some difficulties that happen when you work together uh, in a mixed team. And it's not always language. Sometimes it's language, but sometimes the language support is there. But there's a gap in kind of what's expected from each side um, culturally or business culture or just, you know, a lot of a lot of things that happen. So we wanted to run a series that could um, help people work together um, better or overcome some of these things. and. Um, I'm doing it together with uh, a colleague of mine, Miki Takashima, who's another independent consultant based here. Um, she goes back and forth between um, the Kansai and Tokyo. Um, but she has the experience of 
having studied and lived abroad and now a returning back in Japan. So we just put a multi-directional lens onto solving problems and talking with them together. Because sometimes I think you don't even realize maybe a, a faux pas that was made or that you are creating friction for your team um, and just how to get over it. So yeah, that one is a four part series. Yeah, that sounds wonderful and so important. I think especially now in Japan where we're seeing so many more international people coming to work, so many more international businesses setting up in Japan uh, who have Japanese and foreign workforce, right? And how how do we get everyone on the same page kind of thing? How Because the business culture is so different in Japan and other areas, right? So how, how do you work it out? How do you listen to each other? Uh, mm -hmm. How do you kind of deal with the different hierarchy of age or experience, right? Yeah, yeah. There's all of all of those things, <laughs> plus 20 more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now you also uh, co-founded a social good startup app. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us about that. That's really exciting. How was that yeah. experience? Sure, sure. So uh, the app was called Gochiso, and this was, I think, was in 2016. And um, we kind of bridged two different areas. So one was um, supporting MPOs and nonprofits through SDGs, and also the restaurant industry um, through dining. So the idea at the time was uh, for groups or individuals to book up a party or a dinner or a lunch somewhere through our app with the partners that we had there. And a percentage of your bill could be donated to a cause. Kind of like how, um, you know, if you do the Furusato Noze shopping. Um, but the average Japanese person doesn't know much about what the work that different MPOs are doing, how many MPOs there are, or donation is not really built into the culture in the same way that it is in Western countries. Um, so we thought, but everybody loves to eat and drink beer in Japan after work. Um, going out with your friends and coworkers after work is, is normally built into society. So if we could combine giving with going out that people already do, it's an easy way to give and an easy way to to donate. That was I love idea. that. I love that we idea. We created the SDGs um, because I might not know the name of your MPO or what you do, but I know, for example, I want to support this SDG that supports women. And then I can find the groups and causes under that SDG. Yeah. That's so important. And I, I know that it has moved on to other ownership and other um, kind of names and everything. And But the focus on doing social good connected to business, uh, how businesses can support other nonprofits. Like the business doesn't have to do everything themselves. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people doing good work in the nonprofit field who need the support. Um, so putting those two together, that's such a great idea. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting hybrid. And um, we just wanted to make it easy for people too. sometimes you know, maybe you have the feeling that you want to donate or contribute, but you don't want to actually, you know, use your whole weekend and find where to go and what to do, right? So we wanted to just make it easy for people to do there. Yeah, you can see that's the old logo there, Kochiso. Now it's Mamoru. You can see the M there and the, the pivot was to sustainable um, shopping. It's a, it's a great idea, um, and I, I love that connection, um, like I said, between SDGs and, and consumerism, right? So if I'm, if I'm going to go and have a, have a meal, and I mm -hmm. know that this uh, one, you'll get points, was it? Or some kind of support goes to support gender equity or something like you said, um, I can make that choice. And then I feel good about my purchase as well, right? Yeah, exactly. We went through a few iterations. One, um, you know, you could get points and then you could put your points towards uh, towards a, a group. And then we added like 
online payment or you add your um, your credit card so you could pay for your um, for your party plan directly in the app and then a, a portion would go towards an SDG and as the user you can select where it goes and we would have running totals of what the different MPO campaigns were and um, nice feedback reports from the MPOs too being able to say like what they did um, with the money that they received through the donations um, but timing is is very important so we were a little bit early <laughs> I think on people how comfortable they were with um, doing things online and paying for things with their it's normal now we don't even really think about it yeah and, now well, just a few years ago it was a very it was a little uncomfortable right for people oh that's interesting isn't it how yeah the timing of launching new ideas new businesses <laughs> is really key how did you get involved in that project was it a osaka startup um yes yeah, so the founder um Philip Wynn, uh, I met him at maybe Pachakucha night. I met him at an event uh, in Osaka. And actually, he had this idea to start a different MPO. So that idea was we wanted to har harness the power of grad students that worked in the sciences or the arts, but be able to send them to after school programs and work with children um, either in conjunction with the curriculum they're already learning or something supplemental. So we worked on that for a while and then realized it's extremely difficult to do anything in the school system if you're not already in the ecosystem of the school system in Japan. Um, so then a few months later, he messaged me that he had a different idea <laughs> um, and we talked about it. And I love restaurants and I worked uh, in Japanese restaurants before I came to Japan. So anything in the hospitality industry is interesting to me. Um, and also volunteering and community service is another thing that I love. So it was a very um, unique, I think, to combine the two together. So I wanted to be a part of it. Wow, that's really cool. So that was Pecha Kucha night, was it? I think so. I think that's where I think that's where I'm a Philip. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Pecha Kucha is more like a social good or sustainability led kind of ideas uh, coming from the community. It's a little similar to like a TEDx or a TED Talk, right? Yeah, it's like a TED Talk, but I think the presenters have, tw I, is it 20 slides? And there's a set amount of time that they have to speak on each slide. Um, so you can learn a lot in a short amount of time yeah. um, with many speakers. So. Yeah, more condensed than a TED Talk, but a lot of fun. Another event that is probably back in person now. <laughs> now, that yeah. now things are starting to go back into person, right? Um, in terms of your your main work, you have so many interesting projects. Um, getting started with startups, of course, takes a lot of time. Are mm. you your work now? Is it mostly consulting on the uh, vegan Osaka project? Yeah, I would say, I mean, what I do varies per day. <laughs> what I do varies per day. Um, I do spend a lot of time on vegan Osaka and also with um, translating and interpreting. Um, I have another partner who will jump on Zoom calls like this uh, and just make sure that the communication is going smoothly between a Japanese um, client and their overseas um, client that they're working with. And uh, I also teach a university class. So yeah, for me, it's like, what day is it today? What am I doing? <laughs> I, I feel the same way. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, uh, we want to do that, right? We want to be in diverse projects and uh, doing different things, but having stable work like university work or a company you work with for translation, those, that kind of stable income really helps as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed the variety and being able to have an experience with one team or one circumstance and taking bits of that and applying it to other places. Um, I did have a few years where I, I just had one full-time job, but I wasn't happy. So um, I think the, the variety is what really um, it fuels me to see how I can use one piece from here and help people from there. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Um, I, I too, most of my career was with one university uh, full time and really invested in those students and that school and everything. Um, but now I have so many different uh, people that I work with uh, doing a lot more outside, out in the real world, uh, instead of in my academic bubble. And it's it's definitely, there's good and bad on both sides, uh, but it's it's definitely more exciting. And exactly what you said, Kina, it's like, what's the day today? Like, check the calendar, check the list, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some, you know, sometimes I get the day wrong. Last week, there was one day I thought it was Friday the entire day, and it was Thursday. <laughs> oh, hopefully that means you have one more weekday to get stuff done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you're working on that you want to talk about? Um, I think that's that's most of it. Um, anything yeah, coming I, up this year for you that you're getting excited about? I guess uh, Vegan Osaka has some big changes coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about our new launch, um, which was in a month or two with Vegan Osaka, and also the parent companies, slices that Vegan Osaka runs out of will also be uh, kind of remodeling and relaunching in a few months. So that'll be exciting, um, especially for us because we'll be able to have more production space and be able to ramp up production a bit, get things out to, to people faster um, and, you know, in larger quantity. Uh, so I think that'll be really exciting. Um, I'm really excited about Black Women in Japan this year, being able to hold the convention um, in person. And we are doing a lot more because we are in person, but also online, we're doing a lot more collaboration with other groups. So if there's people out there that are interested in doing a service project together or some workshops together, um, we have a mentorship program where we try to send people to different companies in Japan. So if you'd like to host some of our members for half a day or a day, yeah, definitely reach out to us. We're really excited about the things that we're planning this year for that too. And I, I love seeing this group photo and top Tia because yes. I had the chance to interview Tia in this series as well. Yes, yes. I'm. Yeah, I thought that you would perhaps know her too. Yes, she's our photographer and member and she comes to to everything and um, you know makes sure the day is very well documented and it's nice for people that are working on um, different steps in their career too to have uh, to have members with this set of skills because a lot of people we use Tia for our headshots or you know things to do for work as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and so we've got uh, Black Women in Japan. We've got uh, your Vegan Osaka links. We'll put all the relevant links below. And then, it, like you said about the BCCJ uh, talk that you did, they might be writing up an article about it? Yes. So the article will be summarized and will be, uh, will be released. And when I have that information, um, I can send it. Uh, it was a very good discussion and uh, maybe we'll be able to do some variations on that uh, if people are interested, you know, in how to just handle things at work and move on positively. And I think it's a really good message for um, for younger people and women as well. If you're, if you're new to the workforce as a new graduate, sometimes people can really internalize the experiences that happen in the office. Um, and also to myself as someone who works remotely, uh, if you don't always have, you know, the same people as you would if you were in person in a team. So it's really nice to be able to have some tools yourself um, to cope with what's happening and to, and to get over. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, Tova Kinoka mentioning that talk because that's the reason I reached out to you and got you on the show today. Oh, um, nice. That in the short takes that she really appreciated all of your insights uh, in that seminar. So I think it's definitely something we should explore more and give people uh, tactics, how they can work through problems that they're having as our workplaces are changing so much after COVID, yeah. right? Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, Titoe. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Nice. 
And uh, yeah, once you have the link and then we can add it to the video below. Thank you so much for everything sure. you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Joy, for having me on. It was nice to be able to talk about everything. And happy birthday once again. Thank you. And happy <laughs> birthday to you in a few days. Too. Yeah, Pisces, <laughs> the Pisces girls here. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining today and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Get out and enjoy those plum blossoms. If people yes. go to Osaka this time of year, uh, what's a good thing they should go and do? You have a recommendation? For the parks? Okay. Yeah, anyway. well, uh, yeah Osaka Joe is a great park. Um, Nakanoshima has a nice lawn for people to relax in. Utsubo Park and Tanjiba and Tenoji. There's tons of places. I cycle all around the city and I carry a tarp in my bag always. So that's how I cope with my work stress is some time in the five minutes and a coffee in the park and I'm good. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Go have a great coffee and a time in the park and on this beautiful day today. Thanks, Joy. <laughs> Thanks everyone for join uh, joining. Thank you so much, Kina, for all your great insights. And I look forward to coming and visiting your amazing vegan Osaka shop and uh, yes. connecting with you again soon. Definitely. Let me know. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Oh, thank you so much, Louise. Appreciate that. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Bye. It's all working out so far.